Okay, guys. Blog Talk Radio. There is no earthly way of knowing. <laughs> Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? Nerecchio Camino. It would have been DWI. A tipping point. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and those who recognize themselves as non-binary. It is another episode of The Tipping Point. Our guest tonight, Jordan Oliver, and his grandfather, Wes. Thatcher. It's not really his grandfather. Um Maybe father. That would be that'd be pretty awesome. Like they would both be like that would be like sort of generationally like the the greatest cruiserweight family of all time, right? I right. mean, you know. Um I'm Stephen Platinum and joining me as always in mirth and merriment. Is Larry Goodman? How are you doing tonight, Larry? Oh, it's been a just a merry day sitting in the emergency room with people with masks on, sniffling and snot flying, and it's just like you feel like you're just getting sick sitting there. Um, but I'm personally fine and happy to be here doing this show with you tonight. How are you, uh, Larry? You um, you are a true legend, and I'm might say, you know how they say, um, you know, firemen are secretly pyromaniacs, um, policemen have uh, power issues, and you are in the mental health field, and I gotta say, it's probably because you're crazy, because you <laughs> put together two great guests that we're gonna see if they taste great together, Les Thatcher and Jordan Oliver, what were you thinking about when <laughs> you booked those guests? Two, just two people I was really interested in talking to and finding out more yeah. about, like, with Les, I've, you know, spoken with Les many times, like, sort of like, what's he up to these days? What's his th- thoughts on, what are his thoughts on what's going on? And Jordan Oliver, just an interesting character every, ever since he showed up on MLW and started coming in regularly for uh, AWE. Yeah, man, it's going to be great. Well, I, I'm doing well. Um, I will have, I'm going to um, attempt something new tonight, as I often do. The the post-award Uh-oh. show, by the way, if you haven't listened to the award show, um, you need to go do that. It was phenomenal. But I did a video immediately after that was very well received. So I'm going to do a reaction video to this show immediately after. So you'll get my fresh take and all that kind of good stuff. But Larry, you had a number of topics that you yeah. sort of brought up, and I found them all very interesting. So. Well, that's good. Let's hope they they really are interesting. But um, the, the the first one was uh, Gary Lamb's post uh, a week ago, something like that, yeah. um, uh, stating that the content from Southern Honor Wrestling was going to be showing up on IWTV 
independentwrestlingtv.com. Uh, and so I wanted to know about the details of that because that, that didn't seem like something that Southern Honor was all that interested in doing. And I know there had been a, a, a nice thread on Facebook talking about how Georgia – while it's you know really a great scene in some ways, one of the ways it's really behind other states is in terms of getting exposure for Georgia guys through the content coming out of the promotions. Um, so the um, the bottom line of that is that as of this Friday, all all of the past Southern Honor shows will be uploaded to Independent Wrestling TV to the site and future. Southern Honor shows will be will be uploaded within a few days of the live event taking place. It um, is, um, I think, one of Gary Lamb's strengths. Now, on my last Patreon video, I went over ways that Gary Lamb predictions or statements that Gary Lamb made in 2019 that were just flat out wrong. But it wasn't many. I think one thing that he does incredibly well is answer criticisms. Um, with action <laughs> right away, you know, and the, one of the knocks was like, Oh, Southern honor, how big of an influence do they really, well, uh, be careful of what you wish for guys, because the people that criticized him justly were, were, I think they were just more hoping that he would never be relevant. And instead I would guess that the Southern honor product, just because of Dylan's influence is probably more camera ready and TV friendly than just about anybody else going, wouldn't you think? Yeah, the the, the one question I have about this, if they're going back and uploading the older episodes, um, is the what are the? And I didn't ask to find out about this. What are they doing about the announcing? Because they have a different done number of different announce crews for these various various stages in the product. And what are they? Right. How are they going to handle that part? Um, Video production-wise, they should be in good shape, I would think. Yeah. I mean, it, again, a, an incredibly fascinating story. And I would suspect it's going to force other people to, again, elevate their game, which is a great thing. Assuming it looks great, which I'm just going to assume right now it's going to. Yeah, because action stuff on independent wrestling TV does look and sound great. I yeah, it does. comes across. You get the whole. You get the live show feel when you watch an action wrestling uh, show on on independentwrestling.tv. It comes across beautifully. So hopefully Southern Honor does as well. Yes. And another story you were interested in. Uh, Marty Skrull. Marty Skrull showing up. Uh, well, let me just ask you. I mean. Could it, could a guy have played his cards any better than Marty Skrull has played his cards? No, I, I was, that was the number one thing I was going to say. I mean, in this age of wrestling, and you, you can here's here's a weird metric in which to re, to measure how strong wrestling is or is not. And I just thought of it. Are you ready for it? Ready. How bad can the boys work the organizations? Because <laughs> the more that they can work the organizations, it is a sign that wrestling is stronger. When the Monday Night Wars were happening, especially when ECW was a viable force within that era, the boys worked <laughs> the promotions in a way that they we thought would never happen again, right? It was like, 
oh my god, WCW, Kevin Nash and those guys broke that so badly that the guys are never going to have any kind of level of leverage or freedom ever again. That was the common refrain, but I think Marty shows that there's still some wiggle room there, even amongst the groups that aren't necessarily the biggest, you know? I mean, I'll say, so he gets the big money contractor, that's the word going around, he got the big money contract out of Ringer Honor, and he gets the power too. I mean, yeah. beautifully played. Yeah, and now, but to be fair, I don't think he's going to, unlike Kevin Nash and them, who basically sucked the lifeblood out of WCW, I think Marty has a chance to do something really – I think he has a chance to really boost Ring of Honor in a way that Ring of Honor desperately needs. At least that's yeah. my hope. So, I mean, it is still – it is a booking team. Hunter um, Delirious is still there. And uh, the way I understand it is that uh, Marty Skrull draws the broad strokes and Hunter uh, still runs the meetings and um, has veto power over things, but um, and you, you combine that with Skrulls, whatever he's working with the NWA, which he's going to be back this Sunday for the for the Sunday taping. I, I I don't believe he's going to be in for either the other two, um, and that's that's the one I hope to be at is the Sunday one. Um, yeah, uh, to just to see kind of a little bit what happens there. So yeah, I mean interesting times. And then we got um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say I'm. You know, everybody who works with Hunter loves Hunter. I'm curious at the end of the day, and I'm jotting down this note, because I was around and sort of privy to everything going on during this sort of Adam Pierce booking Ring of Honor era, what happened before that, what happened during that, and what happened after that. I really got a lot of insider knowledge on that stuff. And it all comes down to how did the boys perceive you? Because um, at Ring of Honor, traditionally, if they're not feeling you, you're not long for the world. That's, it's not just when Ring of Honor fans were not really feeling Jim Cornette. It was when the boys were turning on him. <laughs> it's when the boys would derisively call it um, Smoky Mountain of Honor. <laughs> um, that's that's when Jim was in trouble. So I'm curious if they're cool with Hunter not being the really the head booker anymore, or what the perception of the boys is. That's going to be um, a better predictor of how Marty's going to have success or not is whether the boys are with it or not. So that's very well, interesting. And then you have the issue of Marty booking himself. Now, of course, the first thing that happened on his first night when he was involved in calling the shots was taking the uh, six-man tag titles off of him, off of Villain Enterprises, and putting them on to mm-hmm. Bandito, Flamita, and, and Ray Oris. So we'll see how, how that all plays out, too. Yes, indeed. Mm-hmm. And finally, you wanted to talk about... Topic number three, WWE stock. Every once in a while, we talk on their stock on, on this show, and, you know, it's... It's an interesting point they find themselves at. This is a, a they have earnings coming up, earnings report coming up. I believe it's February sixth. This is a stock that topped out at a hundred dollars a share, uh, WrestleMania weekend or thereabouts in two thousand nineteen. Uh, it's been up there one other time to a hundred dollars a share. Uh, then comes you know, and that, that's the point at which Wall Street believed that. Uh, WWE is going to be riding the crest of a wrestling boom 
and the SmackDown uh, contract and all, you know, all, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they missed earnings three quarters in a row. And now they find the stock particularly badly the last of the third, the third quarter. So now we come up to the few fourth quarter earnings and they find the stock at $62 down from a hundred dollars. Yeah. So this is the, this is kind of the, uh, not that I make giving anybody investment advice here, far be it for me to do that, but this is the line in the sand. 60 bucks is the line in the sand for this stock. If, 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 if it, if they get to earnings and they hold $60, you know, Hey, it may be worth buying. If it breaks sixty dollars, look out below. Um, mm. if it, so this is this is like a this is like a tipping point here for this stock of what's wh- which way it's going to go. Nicely done. Um, by the way, for those that may not know, what does missing earnings mean? When you said they missed earnings for three quarters. Oh, oh, the the, the Wall Street expectations for um, uh, revenue and bottom line uh, profits. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's this, this I, it's this weird game. If, if if you miss by even a few pennies, it could be a big big deal to the Wall Street. That's the other thing you don't know. Like even if you've got inside information about how WWE is going to go do this time, or if you really follow their business closely and you think you know, you don't know how Wall Street's going to react to it. Mm-hmm. They have their own way of doing you know looking at things. You might you know. It might look good, or and and they and they love it, or it might look good, and it's not good enough. You don't know, so you wouldn't want to buy it. You'd, you'd, you'd be taking a big risk to buy it before earnings, and you wait and see what happens, what the reaction is afterwards. If you if you're inclined to do such a thing, always exciting stuff. I think you know checking in at WrestleMania. WrestleMania, there's a lot of things I think we're going to check in with, and one of them that will be interesting is. Is that stock still around sixty? Because people always have their theories and conjecture, right? Yeah, the ratings are low, but the ratings don't matter. You know, it's everything gets dismissed either way. You know, right? And, um, right. And, at some and, point, I don't know. Seeing what's like what's really priced into it at this point is already priced in that. Well, there really isn't going to be this wrestling boom. Nobody's. We're now no longer really expecting this big wrestling boom, and nobody's expecting them to, you know, knock it out of the park. I don't know. Who knows? Yes, yes, yes. Well, I know we're about to bring our guest on. I hope so. I, I got to say, I was thrilled with. I was just impressed with him to death. I don't. I don't want him to hear this because he's just going to get this big head. No, but um, you know, like Jimmy Rave <clears throat> messaged me and was like. You know, look out for my guy and, and see what you think of him. And, you know, he's part of this clique. And I thought he played his part in MLW to perfection. And they were asked to do a lot. <laughs> they not only wrestled a very physical and active tag team match, it was in a very modern style. You know, it was move after move, go, go, go. But, I mean, the, the supporting role that they had to play in the Teddy Hart match and all the rest of it, um, it was just great. I mean, he's just an unabashed character. And he's been lighting up the Georgia indie scene with, you know, Young, Dumb, and Broke and all this other stuff and Injustice. And uh, I just love guys that work and do their thing. Um, I'm curious to see how he got the hookup with MLW in the first place. Um, I just think it's a great fit for him. Maybe let's find out now. 
Yeah. We've got uh, MLW star, member of Injustice, member of Young, Dumb, and Broke, a wrestling prodigy, I would say. And he's joining us now in the Tipping Point. Welcome, Jordan Oliver. Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, holy crap, do you sound young. Um, I am very young. <laughs> what's up, man? Uh, I, I'm going to throw a question at you right away. How did you get hooked up with MLW? I was, I was, I was not expecting. I was there to see, you know, I was there to see your compatriot in your group, uh, wrestle Teddy Hart. But I just kept found myself looking at you guys, and you guys were like Johnny on the spot, and you guys were just super active that whole taping. Um, how did you get hooked up with them in the first place? Um, I got into MLW first because I like you know CZW. Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so obviously, like I'm a a big like a like a main roster member of the Combat Zone, and last year, maybe a a month a month ago last year, I wrestled Andrew Everett for the CZWR Championship. It was my third defense of the belt, and in the match, he goes for Shooting Star Press onto Ellis Taylor, and from the other buckle or from the the apron of the ring, I did like uh, my finisher, the springboard to the top rope RKO, and I caught him midair of shooting star press. Holy crap! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> caught somebody's eye with that one, eh? <laughs> yeah, it was a, it, you know, so it's pretty nuts, and uh, it just got a little bit of buzz, like not as much buzz as the Jim Hornet stuff, but a, lo- a little bit of buzz, especially a lot more than I was getting at the time. And uh, MJF, who was on the CZW roster at the time, I guess maybe had showed that around to MLW, like, look how cool this was or whatever. And then I got contacted by court about it. Very cool. You know what's awesome about that story is I think it's a very modern way to get a look, right? Like some old school guys might go like, oh, it's just, flashy bullshit it's just a fucking spot monkey ball but you know what that level of timing that level of daring that level of i mean it's it's what really shocked me about mlw in general is i wasn't expecting there were moments that happened because i I, i'll just set it up I used to run a wrestling group in Georgia, and I fucking hate pro wrestling now. I don't watch the shit. <laughs> but, but I went to MLW because Logan Creed was making his debut, and that's my guy. So I was like, I'm going to go. And there were parts of the MLW show that legitimately, like, took my breath away, where I was actually, like, worried in a good way. I was like, holy fuck, are they really going to do that? And then they would do it. <laughs> I was just like, wow. I was, it was nice to have that, like, kid seeing his first circus feel again. Um, and obviously yeah. you're a big part of that kind of feel of MLW, I think. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. I like to pride myself on being like a, not like a, it's so funny because I'm going to say throwback, but throwback is like usually like the 80s and stuff like that. But I, I like to think of myself as like a throwback wrestler to like 03, 05 when, you know, guys really just wanted to fucking do it just for the love of it, just go fucking nuts. Who gives a fuck if they're yeah. tomorrow or not? You know, guys like Trent Acid really inspired me at such a, you know, maybe 12, 13 years old to just fucking get after mm. the business. And I, I really don't look at things like, oh, a lot of me and, me and Alice Taylor joke around a lot like, oh, what if we don't make it past 21? Will we be happy with our lives? And 
you know, I, I just want to be able to say yes to that answer. I, I could die tomorrow. You never know, especially with the kind of life that I live at such a young age. But I just want to be able to say, oh, maybe if I die tomorrow, would I be able to influence another young kid to, to go out there and just fucking live, live to the best of his ability? Wow. Larry, please. So you started wrestling, you know, pro, what, 15, 16 years old? Yeah, uh, I had my first pro, well, I had my first trained match at 16, but I actually broke in untrained at 15. Hmm. And you were wrestling uh, high school amateur at that? At, yeah, right? I wrestled right? high school amateur freshman year, and I also boxed freshman year of high school. And, and I, you know, I oh, wow. saw in your your um, MLW bio talks about growing up in one of the most dangerous cities in America, Newburgh, New York. Can you tell us a little bit about New York, Newburgh, New York? Uh, yeah. So for a little bit, uh, maybe like 2009 to 2011, it was the murder capital of New York. And it's just a, it's pretty, you know, it's not a pretty good area. My high school had uh, metal detectors, to walk in, this is before Sandy Hooker, you know, anything like that. On the East Coast, right. they didn't have that sort of stuff. So for my school to have that, had bars in the windows. We had, uh, we really, it, it isn't actually this, but uh, if you ever heard of an Opportunity High, it's very similar to that. As the Opportunity High has, it's like a bow tech yeah. for bad kids. Uh, so my school had normal classes, but it also had classes to get you a job just in case you dropped out because the graduation rate is, barely under, you know, half percent or whatever. So it was like we had graphic arts and shop and mechanics and all that sort of stuff. So that's just my school, you know. And then outside of the school where people are, you know, there's tons of gangs and shootings and stabbings and, you know, literally down the block from the school, it's it's really not a, a great area. But I was very lucky to find boxing and, and backyard wrestling at the time. I think it really saved my life. Because I, I was on the bus in, in sixth grade smoking weed and drinking alcohol just on the way to school and, you know, really causing a muck through through sixth, you know, sixth grade through about a freshman year. I was really lost, kind of. Boxing. I lo- I'm, my dad taught boxing, so I grew up doing it. I was terrible at it. And the, <laughs> the other kids he trained were, like, super hungry. And I was not. Right? I was just like, you know, really like coaches, right? coaches, coaches' son. And so, you know, so they're all gonna, you know, all these tough local kids in Hawaii were gonna beat this dumb half Japanese, half white boy's ass. You know, that wow. was kind of the way I was going through. What did, what did? Oh, wow. I'm just gonna talk about the amateur wrestling background too. Do you feel like with your, I mean, I'll just, I'll just paint it as that. It's a very modern style of wrestling. What? Does amateur wrestling and or boxing find its way into what you do at all, or is it just a completely different thing to you? Um, I think the the boxing is more easy because I think they both affect my style, but I think the boxing is going to be more easier for me to explain just because of the my I I focus a lot in my wrestling like you said it's modern style so it's very based off of the certain unique movements that you know a lot of the modern wrestlers have like forward rolls and slides and, and, you know, being smooth, it's kind of like a parkour way of wrestling, I think. So because of yes. boxing, I have very yes. good uh, footwork, and, and that I never really even struggled to understand, oh, this is how you do this or this, you know, those things came naturally to me, I think, because of boxing. 
And then, I mean, obviously the striking, I, I like to use my strikes very often, but not a lot. And I think, thank God for boxing because I know how to throw a real punch. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. am, amateur wrestling, just because, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't like very good at amateur wrestling, like not like technique wise, like I was, I had a solid record or whatever, but technique wise, I didn't, I was not very good at it because I'm so long and lengthy. So for me, I just kind of flail around until something happened. And I think that's kind of been a good explanation for my, my short career so far. I'm just doing gotcha. bullshit until something happens. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, just maybe I'll do this RKO thing tonight. Oh, if it works, it works, whatever. And then, you know, it works and something happens. You know, being that we're a Georgia-based podcast, and of course, uh, you know, my exposure to you is through uh, AWE and so forth, and uh, Jimmy Rave, of course, is quite renowned and well-known in Georgia. Can you talk a little bit about the influence Jimmy Rave's had on you? Oh, man, it's so nuts, because, I, so I don't know if you have ever heard of Jersey All-Pro Wrestling. It was a big promotion, mm-hmm. maybe 2000, you know, 2000s or whatever. So yeah. Jersey All-Pro had a resurgence a few years ago. Uh, and I was on that show. I wrestled private party in a tag match. And uh, Gabby Gilbert or Rocky Cotton, Jimmy's current wife, was out on that show. And she told me I looked like Jimmy Rave. And I really didn't uh, know much about him. I had heard the name, but I didn't know much about him. I probably just heard about him because I'm a big CM Punk fan. So then after that, I started, like, watching Jimmy Rave, but really not, like, uh, understanding what was like so awesome about this guy you know like I know he's really good but people talked about him in a different way and then I got to meet him and he you know very thankfully took me under his wing to like polish out some of my my heel techniques and just you know like the things that Jimmy Ray is really 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 fucking good at and so for the past two years I kind of been able to sit under his learning tree and he's been helping me so much and you know you know, I, I can see what people are saying about, you know, the, the looking like him. And I think back to a, a 2000, 2001 Jimmy Raid, because um, he was he had that, you know, length, too. There There is there is some definitely some resemblance there. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. And ju- just to make just to make um, Larry feel old. Um, how Please. old were you <laughs> when he's in 2000, 2001? <laughs> I was one. <laughs> I, I, I was born in 1999, so uh, 2001, 2002, 2003. I was one, two, and three. Tremendous. Well, you know, you, Jordan, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have Les Thatcher, <laughs> who's sort of the the sort of the touchstone to sort of like old school mentality and things yeah. like that. Um, do you think? Because I mean, there's so much sort of ink spilled and, and internet space taken by guys like, you know, Jim Cornette versus guys who are like, no, no, no. Uh, how do you view that whole thing of sort of like the the modern versus the old school, right? Like, you know, AEW scene is like sort of a modern take and, you know, NWA clearly is sort of like a more old school take. MLW to me sort of encompassed the best of both. But where do you see yourself in sort of like that kind of wrestling spectrum? Do you see yourself as like exclusively as a, a new school guy? I mean, you, you know, you talk about guys like Trent Acid and, and Combat Zone and stuff like that. 
is there any kind of old school element to what you try to do? I figure any guy that's got an influence from Jimmy Rave might have a little bit. So what are your thoughts about that? I uh, I like to consider myself as a, a mix of the two just because, I mean, other than MJF and the rest of the guys in Young Dumb, there's not really a lot of young kids trying to work a crowd or really focus on getting heat. You know, and I think for me specifically, I, I can go in the ring and I can do a five-minute, you know, junior weight match, and that will be really cool, and fans will really like that. But I also, this weekend, I just wrestled at the local Indie Synergy, and I told a, a, a long story about my back being broken and all this stuff, and I, I like to really switch it up because I don't I won't ever want to be the one-card wrestler. You know, I really love guys that can do it all. They can cut a promo. They can do the flips. They can work a crowd. They can be face or heel. You know, I like being a, a good hand, as they say. And so I really like to think that fans of mine that watch a lot of my stuff can see me as both, I think, a good mix of the two. Yeah, I would agree. agree. Larry. What are, your th- what are your thoughts on the um, the Injustice group with, with Coder Brazil and Myron Reed? I think it's I think it's really good stuff. I think uh, it's really helping all of us because out of the three of us, Coda Brazil, he, he had a, or we like to call him Snoop, he had a lot of time with MLW for both me and Myron. So he mm. kind of, he's he knows everybody backstage and he's understanding of like how they work with stuff. And, but he also never really had like a lot of opportunity before the group. Like he was just maybe their, their good hand of like, oh, right. he's here, you know. And Myron, he kind of blew up pretty early on in his uh, career and got signed to MLW. So he's not really great at like maybe talking or stuff like that. And then you have me who I think I'm a pretty decent talker and I'm very creative and have a lot of uh, ideas and whatnot. So I think all three of us together really helped each other understand the full circle of like the way we need to handle ourselves in the back and whatnot. Oh, that's fantastic. It's important yeah. important to negotiate in that way. Um, Larry, did you have a last question for Jordan? Well, I was just going to say, I think you're a pretty, pretty damn good shit talker at this point, uh, from, from what I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, I, I imagine uh, 2020 is going to be a big for, year for you. Uh, what do you got so. on your plate? What, you know, so what do you got on your plate at this point that you already know is, coming, is going to be coming your way this year? Uh, I'm making my UK debut at the end of, uh, or at the beginning of, or no, yeah, at the end of February, sorry. Wow. Uh, so that'll, that'll be pretty cool. I get to go over to the UK. Uh, obviously, WrestleMania weekend's coming up. I can't really disclose what I'm doing there, but um, I have some really big stuff coming up uh, for that. So a lot of larger opportunities coming up pretty early in the year. When will we see I, you uh, I, back at uh, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment? Yes. Um, the the next show after the February one. I should be. Yeah, because the February one is mainly show. women's. Yeah. Okay. They, they yeah. got one. What March? So is the it one March? After that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It cool. Be March. Well, it's awesome, man. Is there anything else you want to talk about, or anything you want to bring up that you're doing soon before you go? Uh, I mean, I just was, you know, just, I think everybody should keep an eye on my social media because I really yes. focus on, I know I'm, I'm very young and 
and to be considered stupid or whatever, but I'm very focused on spreading a positive message to the wrestling community for younger wrestlers like myself to, to go out there and do do whatever you want. You know, obviously don't hurt anybody or whatnot, but do have to go out there and do anything you want. Give it your all because there's always going to be the older wrestlers telling you not to do it. You never know if it's them trying to stop you from getting a job or something. So just believe in yourself. And if you think it's probably the right thing, then it's probably the right thing. Awesome, man. I love it. Well, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I mean, you came sort of highly recommended. A lot of people vouch for you. And uh, I think you live up to the billing. So I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'm, God damn it. I know I'm going to end up going to uh, WrestleMania week. <laughs> I, I live in Orlando, so it's like you know, hour, hour and a half away. Yeah. So at some point, maybe we'll stumble upon each other. So it's a pleasure well, to talk to awesome. you. Yeah, right on. Have a good night. Yeah, Thanks well, a lot, bye-bye. man. Man, you know, Larry, I have to say, um, it's always great to talk to somebody who um, isn't afraid to talk. Does that make sense? Yeah. So. I, yeah. Often with younger wrestlers, they they're they're sort of afraid to speak their mind, or they're afraid to have a viewpoint, or it seems like the things that they're going to say are couched in making sure that they are overtly respectful or that kind of thing. But I don't, I just didn't get a sense that he was putting on any kind of airs at all. Like that's who he is, and I think it's great. See, this is something that old school people often don't get that drives me crazy. His job as a young wrestler is to try shit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like their job is to experiment and is to, yes, there's a dangerous aspect to it. Yes. There's many cautionary tales of wrestlers who have tried crazy stuff and gotten hurt for it. Absolutely. But I think we all got to remember that was sort of, part of being young. I, one of my favorite Ric Flair stories is, you know, he went through, he went through as, as can we just agree that if you're trained by Vern Gagne, you went through hell. Unlike, <laughs> I mean, there's very few wrestling schools that were like Vern Gagne, right? And yet when they had his first chance, okay, do whatever you like, right? After his training was done, and he drops like a he drops a fucking elbow drop like Dusty Rhodes and fucking Vergania loses his mind like that's all you that's what I taught you you know like but that's what you do at, at heart like you said his influences are Trent Acid I mean when he said yeah I like to reach back into the old school 2004 and five I mean, right, <laughs> like, right, that, right but that but that is his legitimate frame of reference sure right? he's and 20 so, years old <laughs> so I, I love the fact that he's he's 20 he's up and he's got like kind of a uh, some people would hear some of the things he said and said he has like a very reckless nihilistic attitude I don't think it's that at all I think it's just it's just the sort of indestructibility of youth in a lot of ways. And the older I get, instead of hardening my heart towards that, I'm trying to stay open to it. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, but that's my inclination at this stage in my life is to go like, you know what? You're fucking young. Act like it. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, yeah. me, I, I, me too. 
except I, you know, I just hate to see guys do things that are probably going to shorten their careers in, in that sense. You know, I mean, yeah, they got to go for it when they're young. And then, you know, you see guys that do stupid stuff and then wind up paying the price for it later. And that, that's the only part I don't like about it. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. That's a great, um, that's a great point. I mean, the, one of the guys on the MLW show that took my breath away was Teddy Hart with just like when he did a moonsault off the top rope to the floor. I mean, you were like, this guy could die, right? And Teddy Hart himself would probably tell you, yeah, I probably shortened my career. And so I don't know what the balance is because, like I said, wrestling is about whether people want to acknowledge it or not. It's about story, but it's also about spectacle in equal measure. Yeah. And maybe yeah. in the maybe in the modern game, it leans more. Maybe we're not in balance, and that's the problem. Is we're definitely in a spectacle era more than a story era. But and. And I'm not saying that any of these injuries were related to taking too much risk, but, you know, just this last weekend, Sal Renaro, broken arm, Drew Adler, torn labrum, um, Drew Duckworth, out for six months, although not with surgery. Um, you know, that's just that's just from this last weekend. So, you know, and I know it can happen, in, you know, to, on any kind of a move on the stupidest stuff, you know, the, the most basic stuff, the guys get hurt, but, um, you know, that's what happened. Hey, we got uh, we got the man of the hour in the queue here. Yes, the, uh, the one only the, the the legendary wrestler announcer trainer who's giving us some of his time tonight. We've got Les Thatcher on the tipping point. Welcome, Les. Hey guys, how you doing? After that introduction, I, shouldn't there be a band playing and people throwing roses <laughs> or something? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hell. <laughs> Les, oh, you you do have that status, though. Do you, I mean, you're, you're probably too modest of a man to admit this, but you you definitely have like an elder statesman status. You're you're one of the untouchables, I think. I think there's like um there's like five or six guys that you know infuriate the young, <laughs> but but people always you know acknowledge me? as come on, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> You mean all the experts that have been doing this for 15 minutes, and, and I piss them off because because I've been doing it almost 60 years and actually may have a clue? Is that what you're saying? Well, that, that, that kind of dovetails nicely into what question I wanted to ask. I, I, I was one of my one of my personal bugaboos is the wrestling seminar where everybody and their dog seems like they're having a wrestling seminar and every promotion at some point brings in whomever that's going to come in and collect your 20 bucks to 50 bucks, whatever it is. And then just talk about wrestling. And I, I was just wondering what your take was that. Cause I mean, it's one thing if it's a guy like you or if it's someone like Al Snow, but it seems like there's just a host of people out there just doing wrestling seminars. What is that attributed to? And what do you think about it? To, uh, People being gullible, I guess. I, I mean, well, you know, here's the thing. First of all, you can only teach what you know, right? I, I played, I played three years of high school basketball. So, hey, you want to be in the NBA? I can teach you to play basketball. I can teach you to play at a level of three years of high school from a hundred years ago, but I'll never get you even close <laughs> to the NBA unless you're buying a ticket, right? 
Uh, part of it is uh, the these guys uh, who come in. They, they don't, you know, maybe they don't uh, charge a lot. Maybe they work on your show as well as do the seminar. Um, and more importantly, they're not going to say anything negative about you or your promotion or your talent. And so they're probably not going to tell you the truth because the, the, the whole idea of what we're talking about is to uh, improve. If you're attending one of these things, uh, you know, it's about you improving, right? Or it should be. And Absolutely. so, you know, well, I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm living in Knoxville now. I moved down here in July. And, <clears throat> excuse me, and Dr. Tom also lives here, right? And uh, I've been here since July. But anyway, within the last few months, uh, I've noticed uh, two indie promotions within less than 30 minutes from where I'm sitting uh, had two different people, and I'm not going to knock anybody, Two different people that had all had also been to seminars that Dr. Tom and I run or, or weekend training camps in to do seminars for them. And they had to travel from a distance, right? Tommy or I could have done it uh, you know, <laughs> on an easy evening from home. Why uh, and you know, again yeah. the difference in, in the caliber and it's not that these guys don't know anything. Again, you can teach what you know. And if you haven't danced the dance then you know, you, you can't teach it. You just can't. I mean, that's, uh, you know, it, it's insane to think. But that's one of it is about price, I would assume. Part of it is, uh, you know, about uh, guys. I, I'll tell you the truth, and I won't mention the name of the state, but I've been told by a couple of wrestlers. Uh, there's a guy who's had Dr. Tom in. He's had, uh, I'm not sure who else in. He wanted to – these guys said, bring Les in. He does a, a hell of a weekend camp. Uh, he'll probably tell my son he's not very good. Wow. And if he wasn't, I yeah. probably would tell him that. I mean, you know, it, it's not a personal attack. You know, if your drop kick sucks, it sucks. I mean, and you have to <laughs> improve it or, or stop, you know. Uh, and, and believe me, uh it's we're not as hard on the kids today as as it was breaking in when I broke in. Take my word for it. I mean, it's not even close. And uh, you know, we got yelled at all the time. I never took it as an insult or uh, anything other than a challenge. You know, you've done something wrong or you didn't do something, and uh, you're a damn fool or you're a jackass or you know, or I can get any more graphic, obviously. But the point is. Okay, that means I need to do it better, and I'm going to show you that I can. And 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 part of it, I think, is too uh, it's too easy to get into business today. But I'm going to yeah. tell you a, a, a crazy story that was told to me. Um, we did uh, three three years. We did uh, four day camps at the uh, the big fan fest in Charlotte uh, the first weekend in August, and. Um, there was uh, this particular year. There was Rip Rogers, myself, Doctor Tom, Nigel McGinnis, Lance Storm. I'm trying to see if I missed anybody here, and other guys that were there, like Jerry Briscoe or so forth, would stop by from time to time. So anyway, we had close to seventy kids from actually some from outside the country. So anyway, we trained 
uh, all day did show Saturday night and uh, one on Sunday afternoon and uh, gave the awards on Sunday afternoon. We trained Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And so anyway, uh, one of the one of the guys at the exhibits there was out back taking a smoke at lunch break, and we were on break, and three of the kids, and this is by his words, three, he said they obviously were flippy and floppers because they were 150-pound guys. But, I mean, that was just him telling me the story. Anyway, these three kids were standing near him. They were smoking. Uh, he wasn't in the conversation, but he could overhear it. And the, the one kid now, first of all, realized to come to this thing, it's costing you 300 bucks to be a part of this, but you got a banquet ticket for that as you know as well. Uh, but the point is, you also had to get a hotel. You had to eat. If you came from out of town, obviously travel. Uh, so you put a few bucks out there to come work. And if you can't learn anything from the five of us over three days, you haven't been paying attention. I mean, seriously. But anyway, so yeah. the, the, the one guy saying, oh, you know, uh, Pritchard and, and, and Les Thatcher, they expect you to be in shape, well, you know, like it's a sin or something, right? <laughs> and yeah, yeah, they want you to do this, and they, they keep correcting you on doing this other stuff. Yeah, well, you know, they want you to learn some of that old school stuff, and this. And so anyway, this is the way the conversation's going, and they're all just upset because they're working hard. And so anyway, the, the punchline is that one kid finally says, "Well." You know, we're just here until uh, last trainings on on uh, Saturday, uh, so just do what you're told. And when we go home, we just go back to doing what we were doing. I'm thinking, what the hell did you spend all this money for? <laughs> I mean, come on, right? I, I, I mean, I, I, I'm I'm thinking though, I, and this might be a modern thing, is it's something for the resume, you know. Oh, I, I was trained by Les, or I, I was I worked with so and so and such and such. And oh, sure, I, you, yeah. know, you know I see yeah. that kids will say I went to this. You know I, you know, uh, I might have gone to the uh, space launch in Canaveral, but I <laughs> doesn't make me a scientist for any reason, does it? You know, and, you know there's, the an old, there's an old saying. There, there's an old saying: uh, standing in a garage don't make you a Cadillac. Standard wrestling ring don't make you a wrestler. That's yeah. Well, and then and they and they don't understand that just having it on the resume, wrestling is social. Everybody talks to each other, and so if somebody's citing you as a trainer or whatever, they're gonna check in with you. I think that's something that the modern guys don't understand. And if you're not no. vouching for them. It was really no. doing them a hill. It's not. It's not doing them a hill of beans, right? To spend you know, all that money funny. to a lot, the lot seminar of, and not apply it. Yeah, a lot of us serious trainers. This is a joke amongst us, like like uh, Ray Gonzalez and Doc and Rip Rogers and Lance, You know, uh, you, you'll know. It'll get back to you. If this guy said that old son of a bitch. You know, he yelled at me or made me do extra this or that 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 that. that. You know, but then so I, who trained you? Les Thatcher, nice guy. <laughs> So you're an you're an SOB until your name means something for his resume. You're right. It, it's it's political and uh, but like I say, part of it is uh, I I think it's you know um, it's too easy to get into business. It's it's uh, hey, there's a school on everybody, and that's the other thing too. How many of these schools are legitimate? How many of them can actually get you anywhere? That's the point. Probably most you know. The majority can't. There's a handful of, of legitimate trainers 
uh, and people that I would recommend. And a couple of those people would be somebody, if I mentioned their name, you wouldn't know, but they were guys who trained under me, and I have done, <clears throat> along with people like Harley and Doc, uh, uh, I had done weekend camps at their place and realized that they use what they learned from me. So I would recommend them. There are people whose names I won't mention who are big stars in this business that I wouldn't recommend you even sitting down to talk to in terms. I mean, it's just yeah. like you say, a lot of, a lot of it's a money grab and it is, I don't, I, I will, if you ask me to do a three or four hour seminar, if I, I will do that. I prefer to do a weekend using in ring and that would mean if you if you wanted if you're booking me, uh, we can do a Q and A on Friday evening. You know, for as long as you want because I'm in for the weekend. Uh, we start training like at 9 a.m. on Saturday. We break an hour for lunch, noon to one. Come back, uh, train until say five. Or if you've got a show that night in the same building or nearby, we'll we'll cut it off a few hours early. I will work with your dressing room if you want me to do color on your if you're recording it uh whatever we do the same thing on sunday and you send me home on monday um but to me when i've got that much time the guys first of all get comfortable with me second of all by the the start of the second day i kind of know where each guy needs to go or you know you you get a chance to see but you want to sit and talk wrestling for three or four hours hell I've been doing this almost 60 years. I'll sit and talk to you for three or four days. But it doesn't mean yes. you're, you're learn to be a wrestler is my point, right? So that's part of it, I think, too. And, and some guys are just repeating what they've heard someplace else. If, you're going to, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're going to a, look for a school, find, find the resume and references of the trainer. Uh, not just, hey, he's cheap. That's that's not a prerequisite of getting in this business, believe me. Yeah. Um, Larry, Larry what, you wanted to ask. What about do you that. think? What do you think of what you see from the major companies on on you know TV these days, like the an AEW or WWE? What are your thoughts on? Well, the the two companies that I prefer to watch. I mean, I, I try to watch a little bit of everything now because you know I do a weekly podcast on the Observer site and. Uh, so I try to, you know, look at it, everything. The shows that I prefer to watch would be NXT and, and New Japan mm-hmm. because I see more wrestling. More, what I mean to say wrestling, you know, more like an athletic competition. And so I, that's what I prefer. I, I, I made a statement a week or so ago on a show that, that, that uh, you know, the business is uh, high in quality on, on uh, acrobatics and very low in quality on people that you can actually call workers, in parentheses, not wrestlers, not entertainers, workers, and there's a big difference. So, you know, those are the two companies that I prefer. Uh, there's some good stuff. A&E's, uh, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. They're in a growing, uh, going through growing pains, and they're going to do that. There's some good stuff there and some stuff there I wouldn't walk across the street to see, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so... It's. I'm not. In, you know. Uh, I'm not adverse to comedy. I have a sense of humor, believe it or not. But I, I don't think every match has to be an acrobatic uh, uh, comedy. I, I just. I don't see it. Uh, you know, things should change up. And I think there's. Uh, you know, enough's enough. And and actually, 
with everybody doing virtually the same things in every match, it becomes commonplace, you know? Uh, I sometimes use uh, sexual references uh, in my seminars because with young guys with a lot of testosterone, if they get bored listening to technical terms, if you mention sex, their ears perk up, right? <laughs> I'll say, you, you remember the first time you saw your girlfriend or your wife naked? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember the hundredth time? Don't bother to answer. I know the answer. My answer would be the same, and so will yours. No, because it becomes commonplace. And if I see two dives in the first match and two dives in the second match, three dives in the third match, by the end, I don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's that simple, guys. And and obviously that hard as well, because I, I, when I first got on, on the line here, I was listening to the whole about this is the thrill. You know, if you want to see, a, I know a lot of the young guys, kids want to see a living uh, video game. Okay. I want to see wrestling. I'm still interested. And I still believe it's sellable. And and I think uh, NXT, you know, now I'll be honest with you. When I watch AEW, and, and there's people on that there's people on that roster that I've worked with, people that are personal friends, uh, and the same with, with uh, NXT. But uh, when, what, when what they call a tag match comes to the ring, uh, for the most part on AEW, I switch over to NXT because I know it's going to be a four-man acrobatic exhibition. So, and I've seen it. I don't need to see it over and over again. You know, I'm, I'm more about the art of of professional wrestling. I mean, I'm not, don't get me wrong. It's not that it's not entertaining, but, uh, it's, you know, over and over again, it's, it's my favorite movie. I don't sit and watch every night. One of the things we've been batting around is, you know, are we entering another boom period in pro wrestling or are we not? What's your take on that? Well, I, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, all this is, is going on. And I'm old enough to remember when this all started back in the late 40s into the early 50s. That's when I first saw wrestling for the first time on a 10-inch black-and-white TV screen. And um, you realize in my, uh, in my hometown in Cincinnati, we only had three stations. But on those three stations back, let's say, in 1951, just to grab a year, 1950, whatever, uh, I see wrestling from a TV station in Cincinnati, TV station in Dayton, Ohio. I could see wrestling from uh, New York, Chicago, L.A., Texas. And I'm trying to see if I'm missing anything. I don't think so. So that's how much television wrestling. See, because the, the big heavy cameras, roller derby, boxing, wrestling, uh, baseball, all got a lot of play because the cameras didn't have to be that mobile because everything was yeah. kind of condensed into one area. So, but anyway, the point I'm getting at is all that wrestling, and it was great, especially for a kid who just fell in love with it. Uh, but at some point, it petered out, and it came down to one show on the Cincinnati TV, and then there was a period, just a short period of time, we had nothing before uh, they cranked back up again. So mm-hmm. this is all good, and, and you can OD on as much sports entertainment Acrobatic exhibitions, or actually, if you see some wrestling, would be great too. And uh, but at some point, uh, you know, it's uh, some of it's got to fall by the wayside because how much of it can you watch? You know, 
I mean, you got we got to look at it now, looking at it in an, in, from an enter, entertainment. I can't even talk from an entertainment standpoint. Like you know, when a doctor show gets hot on television, we start seeing more doctor shows, or if it's a cop show, or or whatever, right? And so that's you know, TNT obviously saw, wow, okay, this is good, and I see what Fox is paying uh, WWE and so forth and so on. So you know, it's all well and good, but let's get let's you know the bare facts are television, especially network television, is about numbers. So as long as it's profitable, you know, but I think you'll see you're going to see Ring of Honor kind of fall by the wayside simply because uh, the, the owners there don't want to spend the money. Sinclair, it, it, to them, it's a filler, right? It's it's a way they fill an hour cheaper than Definitely. paying for a syndicated show. So they're not going to worry about lighting or talent. And, and they've been in a transition now with a new booker. I don't know how they'll do. Um, but they needed a change. They did. And, you know, some of those guys have been there since the company started. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, that's one of the things. We all have a shelf life. You know, as great as watching uh, Flair and Steamboat was, they're only good for so long in the same town. And, and when your town happens to be the entire United States of America, then you, you can bore a lot more people a lot quicker, right? So but what I'm saying, I don't care how good it is. Or how, and the other part is, there's not a lot of adult storylines. Or if you're if you're finding some, please call me and let me know what they are, okay? <laughs> because I'd love <laughs> to see them. I mean, legitimate le- adult storylines. But uh, yeah, I I, I think, uh, and all this diversity is going to, uh, you know, at some point it'll kill it's, it'll end up killing itself. I think, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think the business can be killed. But it seems like sometimes I think people are making a hell of a shot at it just to find out. <laughs> well, and then you've got but, so much um, uh, intergender wrestling going on now. Oh, um, don't, don't you don't want to get me started there unless you want well, to hear Jimmy Cornette uh, coming probably, out of my I'm mouth. Of that. Huh? <laughs> I probably shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, now, if you're that kind of horny guy and that you dig it, hey, different strokes for different folks. I personally have more respect for the industry that I grew up in than that, and that's part of my problem with it too. Realize, realize this, you know, uh, Cornette or me or, or or any of us that actually speak up, and and when we do, we speak for a lot of guys who wouldn't bother. Uh, realize, in at our time, uh, you had to protect the business. If you were in a bar and some guy called you out, you better be able to kick his ass. Or if you were a heel, you were carrying in the southeastern United States, you were carrying a gun in your gym bag to be sure you got the hell out of there. Uh, so we, I think, have a little more respect for what we did, right? Uh, and when I, I know when I tell stories to young guys about riots, they look at them, and I said, don't worry about it. You wouldn't know how to get that kind of heat if you had to. You're too busy <laughs> doing that 14 rotations off the top rope. And you don't sell, my God, we can't ask that. But anyway, no, I, the intergender thing is, listen, you can put Ronda Rousey against Brock Lesnar, and the minute he gets a hold of her, it's over, period, end yeah. of story. So, and, and I will say this, Tessa, to me, I worked with Tessa at one of those Charlotte things that I was telling the story about, and yeah. uh, enjoyed training with her. She's, and I honestly think she's one of the best female talents in the industry. 
but she still wouldn't be my world heavyweight champion. I don't give a damn. Uh, and that makes because it makes no sense. So now this means she cannot lose to another woman, and she better damn sure beat every other man that she faces because she is the heavyweight champion. So she's gonna have to wrestle somebody else too, right? And yeah. if she beat, I mean, how does this make your male roster look, for Christ's sake? Except, well, you know, and here's the lazy answer to all the questions that you're asking and I'm trying to answer. The the current lazy answer for the for this time in my life is, well, everybody's smart, so it don't matter what we do. Now, isn't that a great answer? That's that's the lazy man's answer. But my answer to that is no. You know, first of all. When I was 10 years old, I knew Roy Rogers really wasn't killing all those outlaws in the, in the movies I was watching. But I knew it was – so I knew it was a work, but it still drew me in. Uh, you know, J.R. Ewing, played by Larry Hageman on Dallas, was the greatest heel I've ever seen. I knew that was all a work, but I couldn't wait till the next episode to see somebody was going to kick his ass. So believe me, if you know how to sell it, the people will buy it. So if you actually can go out there and get – and they know it's a work. I know it's a work. But you can draw them in and let them suspend their disbelief because right. that's what they're doing with movies and television series. Uh, but everybody's smart, so I can do anything. Well, I can grab my dick and walk around, and people think I'm cool. Okay, whatever. Hey. Hello? You know, let, you yeah, yes, yes. One of the things that, that caught my attention and, and about this particular time was finding that old Rich Tate article where he was talking about you leaving Georgia Championship Wrestling. At that time, it was 40 years ago this week. Now it's 45 years ago this week. Um, and uh, there was a pretty good story attached to that. Maybe you could, uh, you know, tell tell a story for our uh, Younger listeners to educate them a little bit about some for of the posterity. You know. <laughs> yes, please. Thank you. The old ranger. <laughs> By golly, let me tell you about the old days when we surround, we round, circled the wagons and shot the Indians and all that. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, you know, um, the idea was for me to come in and, and so Gordon Gordon was making the trip from Tampa every week. And the idea yeah. was for me to come in and handle PR in the office. And, and I was going to end up wrestling eventually, but what would get me started on TV was that I was injured, and so I was sitting with doing color with Gordon. So anyway, uh, and the idea was at some point Gordon was going to stop making the trip. But then once I got the lay of the land and once I got involved in the PR end of it, so we, I sat down with Watts and, and with Bill Watts and Leo Garibaldi one afternoon, and they were saying, well, maybe, you know, we can start uh, cutting Gordon off. And I said, guys, I said, since I've been here, we've talked, you've talked about uh, wanting to parallel the professional sports in the Atlanta area, right, which would have been, the, you know, the Braves, the Hawks, uh, and uh, the Falcons. So I said, well, you know, if we're trying to parallel them, if we're trying to look like them, Perceive and at that point I had gotten us some uh, crossover PR with with the Hawks and and some other things. But anyway, I said you know they all have broadcast teams and realize in our business guys at that point that wasn't the case for the most part. You know usually it was just one man on the desk maybe and a wrestler would sit in. Uh, but I said you know the Hawks, the Braves, and, and the Falcons all have broadcast teams, and so would that makes and. 
So they agreed with me. So, okay, we'll keep Gordon coming. Well, then uh, Jim Barnett bought in uh, into the office, and Jim Barnett gave me the name Thatcher. That's not my real last name, but I got that name from Jim. So I'd worked with him in the past, and we had a good relationship. And Jim was always straight up, up front with me. He was he was always very candid. So anyway, he calls me in the office one day, and he had his penthouse there and his chauffeured limousine and the whole nine yards. And he said, Leslie, uh, you know, uh, the, budget, the budget doesn't allow me to keep two commentators. And as much I gave you your name, and, and you know I like your work, and uh, we go way back. But... I want to buy into the Florida Territory as well, so I've got to kiss Eddie's ass, meaning Eddie Graham, who was one of the owners in Tampa and a mover and shaker in the NWA. Uh, so I've got to keep Gordon, which means I've got to let you go. And he said, I've already talked to Jimmy Crockett and George Scott in Charlotte, and they would love to have you back, or if you prefer, you can look around and go somewhere else. And I said, no, I have a good working relationship with the Crockett office, because so, I, was, I was in the office there as well, plays TV and wrestling. So it's been the same situation. So anyway, that's the story, and that's, that's how I ended up back in Charlotte in 74, because Jim wanted to buy into Florida and he'd, thought he had to, had to keep Gordon to make Eddie happy. Is that the story you're talking about, Larry? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Thank okay. You. Yes. <laughs> Only I didn't do the Barnett voice, right? Is that? Oh, my God, <laughs> Leslie. Marble. Oh, my God. Leslie, Leslie. <laughs> when when I ran the tours, when I ran the tours for him, uh, up in Ohio, Michigan, West Virginia in 82 and 83, you know, I, every night we were on the road after I'd settled the box office, I, I had to call and give him numbers, right? And every night I'd call him, Leslie, what's the gossip in the locker room? <laughs> I, of course, I, 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 I would know something, but I'd say, Jim, I don't have time for that. I'm busy with the box office and this and that and the other thing. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to know what the gossip was in the locker room. He was honestly he was a good guy. He really was. He treated me he treated me well. He did. And he paid well. Yes. So before we let you go, what you got that you want to plug coming up on your plate? Well, I don't actually have anything, but I'm open. My creditors okay. want me to work. And I, I'm trying <laughs> definitely against it, Larry, but I'm thinking, yeah, maybe I better, right? Um <laughs> if someone would like to book me for a weekend training camp uh, or or a day seminar, uh, I'd be more than happy to get with you on the cost and and what I do and how and so forth and so on. You can reach me Les Thatcher twenty eight at gmail dot com or Les at epwt dot com. And now Rudy Gonzalez has taken bookings for he and myself and Dr. Tom. Uh, he calls it the All American Wrestling Academy. If you'd be interested in taking bring the three of us in for a weekend, you can reach Rudy at two one zero. Three two six one five two zero. You're gonna be sorry. I'm telling you all this, aren't you, Larry? <laughs> Not at all. And uh, talk, now there is a Les Thatcher. I'm a Les Thatcher guy. T-shirt available on pro, at Pro Wrestling Tees. But more importantly, you can be a you can be a uh, part of Pro Wrestling T-shirt history because the very first ever wrestling T-shirt on the market, 1972, was put out by Jack and Jerry Briscoe and myself, and it's it's artwork by Jerry Lawler, and it's uh, 
pen and ink artwork of Jack and Jerry uh, with their autographs, and it's a Briscoe Booster T-shirt. So that's available there as well. So, or you can send donations. <laughs> I don't have a GoFundMe, but I may start one of those too. I don't. Nice. Why not? <laughs> Are you guys are you guys doing the NWA pay per view live and in living color Friday or what? I'm going Sunday. Yeah, Larry, Larry is the NWA okay with you being there this week this time? Well, I'm, I'm, I bought a ticket this time, so they're going to have to be okay, okay. for this one. Yeah, uh, yeah you so mean they kicked you out, Larry? Well, there was a thing where they told Mike, Mike Johnson wanted me to cover for PW Insider, and they said they weren't going to allow any. They didn't want any press for their first one. And then they, they wound up wanting it. I can see why. <laughs> You're not a fan. A lot, a lot of that stuff don't need any press. Uh, yeah, we won't get into that. I'm I, okay. I, I, I don't need any daggers or. <laughs> I, I know somebody, somebody asked me uh, uh, when that thing first started. Always at. Uh, it had been on three or four episodes, and a couple of people said, oh, so that's the kind of studio wrestling you did here in Knoxville. I said, if I had done a show like that, I'd have been fired the next day. Are you ribbing me? <laughs> no possible way at all. Anyway, it's gotten a little better. It has. I mean, I hope I hope they may, I hope everybody makes it, guys, because that means a lot of good wrestlers will, will have work, you know. Right. But, Right. right. Uh, at some point, I think some of these guys are going to fall by the wayside. They are. It's just it's the nature of the beast. Indeed. But you keep on doing your thing, and you know you still got God. God bless us. And as all of us get older, and our friends start to fall by the wayside, you know you're you're still you still got your marbles rolling around, and you're still a powerful <laughs> voice in wrestling. So. You know what's scary? You know what's scary? People say, when you're 90, I said, geez, I don't want to be around that long. I mean, I don't. <laughs> but, but I saw on, on, TV, on the news on TV a few days ago, there was this old Marine, 104, singing the Marines hymn, and was just as, uh, you know, I mean, he did seem to have all his properties and was – yeah, we're getting around his own. I thought, oh my God, I can't afford to live that long. I mean, I just <laughs> anyway. Uh, that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I, you know, I I had no idea I'd be around this long, and when I broke into business, I had no idea. Sixty years later, I would still be beating my head against the wall. But here I am. Uh, and and well, wrestling is thank- all the better for it, I think. Definitely. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, I hope my legacy is, is a good one. I mean, I hope I've left something of, of value to the world other than a couple dives and a Hurricane Rana. <laughs> uh, Thanks a lot, guys, anyway. for give, giving, giving us some of your time tonight. And, uh, hey, guys, I've, been, your I've enjoyed with it. it. I, I have. And, uh, and uh, you know, thanks for having me on. We'll do it again sometime if you want. Let me know. Will do. Will do. All right, guys. Take care now. You too. Thank you, Bye-bye. sir. Nice. Oh, Larry, you did it. I don't know exactly what I did, but we got through the hour here, and we had got both guests on the air, so this is good. 
special thanks to uh, Jordan Oliver and, of course, to Les Thatcher. And, um, hell, book both of those guys. It, show me the show that books them both, and uh, I will do my level best to be there. <laughs> yeah, no, it was for sure. <laughs> That's for sure. It so, Larry, where are you going to be fun. this? good fun. Where are you going to be this weekend? The only thing, I've got some family stuff going on, so the only thing I'm doing is the uh, Sunday NWA. Okay. Uh, that, that'll be my show for the weekend. So I'm, I'm, I hope the NWA will uh, realize that they're being graced by a legend. <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, Larry, I know you got a lot of things going on. You got to get going. I got a video to put out about tonight's yeah. show. Yeah. And uh, of course, you know, if you're not checking out gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com, you need to know. You need to do that. Um, so many great shows, Larry. What do you think? Just a brief question before we go. Yeah, Did sure. you ever think? Now, you know, Larry mentioned Rich Tate, and and there's a lot of people who probably don't know the history of that. At some point, we'll go over all of that. But uh, you know, when you kind of took over this thing, and Rich was no longer involved, did you imagine you would you would be running the site, and there would be not just you doing show reports, but Rob Rod, who who probably does more than you do now at this oh, yeah. stage? Like he, he he, does. I mean, he's doing two or three a week, right? And now yeah, you he, got – I mean, Logan Fraser seems like he's bound and determined, to, and he's covering the shows that other people aren't covering in the same way Rob Rod kind of does. And then, you know, once in a while, Nick Nick is throwing them in too. And my, I just yeah. – like, did you ever think it to, would be like that? No, and then, like, t- contributing to, like – Drew Drew Blood's uh, novel that he's that he's you know putting up in in parts yeah. up there and you know the thing of it is is that when I look way back at, at Georgia wrestling history we always got a lot of reports and maybe in quantity more than now but the quality is much yeah. better now and in, in, uh, than it was then um, so yeah I'm, I I'm can't really believe I like Logan's Fraser shows reports I thought I was gonna hate them if I'm being completely no, he, honest they're good, yeah. <laughs> But they're good. He, people care. Um, I think as long as people care enough to sort of be a part of and also preserve the history and put it down, uh, well, not on paper, but on cyberspace, I think, I think we're going to be all right. It was a question I didn't get a chance to ask Les, but it's like, I think, you know, sometimes, you know, we rail against younger, and God knows I rail against everything, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I just look at it and I just go like, ah, kids are going to be all right, man. Like I, when you, when you go through the awards the way that we did, and it's like, those are people for the most part, this is the next generation. They're going to be all right. man. I, I think they're, they really are. And as long as people just keep contributing and keep marking the time and we have people to do the show reports. And please, if you are listening to this and want to contribute to gwhnewsandnotes.blogspot.com, I'm sure Larry would love to hear from you. And mine yeah, as well. You can message, message Georgia Wrestling History on Facebook or uh, L.A. Goodman U.S. at yahoo.com. But probably the Facebook's the best way if you're interested. That'd be great. Hey, you know, uh, before we Yahoo go, two weeks, from, two weeks from tonight, we've got uh-huh. – uh, Matt Kenway, or the Kenway, 
from AWE and other places. And I believe we've got our predictions show with AC Mack and Tyson Dean as the other segment. So it looks like we're in pretty good shape. Mm-hmm. So the predictions, what I'm going to do, looks like I got some work to do, eh, Larry? I'm going to go find last year's show. I'm going to compile the predictions that AC Mack, Tyson Dean, Larry, and I made. And I'm going to see, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to sign up a right and wrong score to each one of us and we'll see if we can top it and do even better this year. Cool. Anyways, special thanks to our guest, Jordan Oliver and to Les Thatcher and from Larry Goodman. I'm Stephen Platinum. Thank you once again for joining us for the tipping point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.